0: Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now, here's today's message. This morning's scripture reading for this morning's sermon by the pastor is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And I'm going to be reading from English Standard Version, ESP. Do you have place? Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil.
1: Well, you probably recognize that That is not the book of Hebrews that Brother Mac just read from. We are going to uh, have a series of messages beginning today as we move into uh, this coming month of January, a new year. We have to learn to write another date now, don't we? 2019. I told Karen the other day, wow, I don't know about you. Some of you, maybe like me, can remember when we were wondering whether everything would uh, continue working after we moved into 2000, and here it is now 2019. Uh, but we're going to begin the series. We've often, we've several times, we've done a special series in January dealing with just our priorities and uh, sometimes we've looked at those more as individual priorities. Oftentimes I've challenged you, and I do so today as well, uh, to uh, make one of your priorities in your life a daily time in the Word of God and prayer. And so I'm going to precede this message today by saying that it's vitally important that you have a daily quiet time, a daily time in the Word and in prayer to spend time with the Lord that is vitally important. It's vitally important for this subject we're going to look at today uh, as we think about our corporate prayer. Uh, But um, uh, because again, our, our, our prayer together is only as strong as our own individual prayer relationship with the Lord. Our time in the Word is vitally important because the only way we can pray according to the will of God is when we pray according to the Word of God. And the purest prayer that we can pray is a prayer that is both... Uh, spirit-led, but also, as some call it, Scripture-fed, uh, directly uh, uh, right out of the Word of God. And so I challenge you uh, to begin this year, if you're not already doing so consistently. And let me challenge you, a number of us in this room today, uh, a number of our church family are blessed to uh, be on uh, this, uh, the other side, if you want to call it, of retirement, Um, and, uh, you know, one of the, I I can imagine now I I have spoken with folks that are retired who tell me, uh, pastor, uh, just because I'm retired, it doesn't mean I don't have anything to do. And I understand that you uh, you wonder how you ever had time to work, right? But let me challenge you that one of the things I think that ought to be a blessing about retirement is, is to have time with the Lord that is not rushed to be able to have plenty of time to read the word and to pray and not be in a hurry. So don't, don't rush your time with God, spend time with the Lord consistently and faithfully and just enjoy your time with Him. Don't be in a hurry and just spend time in the Word and in prayer and seek the Lord early every day and spend time with the Lord. But we're going to begin this series today and, uh, and we've entitled it First Things First. And today we're going to be dealing with the priority of prayer in the church, what we might call our corporate prayer life, prayer ministry as a church. So let's join our hearts together as we pray, Father, we come to you today, and Lord, we want to have the same kind of spirit that the disciples had <clears throat> after spending day in and day out with you. Uh, even later on, after this passage uh, was inspired here from Galilee, later in Judea, we read in Luke, Luke 11, that the disciples came to you and said, Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't ask you to teach them to witness, you'd been doing that, or they didn't even ask you to perform miracles, uh, to teach them to perform miracles. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. So Lord, today, here at Lucy Baptist Church on this final Sunday of 2018, if you delay your coming and we make it to 2019, Lord, we're... We're asking you to teach us to pray. And Lord, I confess to you today and before my brothers and sisters, there's so much more about prayer that I don't know. And there is so much more to prayer than than what I experience. And God, I want to be, uh, I want to grow in my understanding and in my practice of prayer. And I believe, again, I'm probably in a company of other people who would agree we want to know more and more what it really is to pray. So Father, as we think about this priority of prayer, and we certainly see this in Scripture, not only in our individual lives, but even as we study the practice of the early church in the book of Acts, we see that, that praying together is such an important priority for our church. So Father, Uh, move us out of our comfort zone, move us out of our tradition, Lord, of maybe where we've been thus far and our satisfaction with where we are. And God, give us a hunger and a desire to pray and to pray together and to see you do in and through us as a people and even as a local church all that you desire for us. Lord, use this time we have together. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name and for his sake. And everyone agreed and said, amen. We're told um, that the the gospel and Christianity are, are advancing in most regions of the world except for four. And those four include Japan, Australia, Western Europe, and North America, which of course includes the United States. But one common factor that is found in each of the areas where the gospel is advancing, and sometimes, by the way, we forget this because, again, we see churches declining and closing, and, uh, and we hear things today that discourage us. But in the countries, in those regions where the gospel is advancing, churches are being planted, people are being saved uh, in, in a tremendous amount, are, are the thing they have in common is those, in those regions is that they spend much time praying together. They spend much time as believers, as local churches, praying together. But in America, in America, churches have almost abandoned fervent, united corporate prayer. That's a statement by uh, John Franklin. They have replaced it instead with programs and performances. Well, our text today we've read was one very familiar to you. We most of the time refer to it as the Lord's Prayer but it's probably more accurately referred to as the model prayer. Because again, Jesus didn't give us this prayer primarily uh, as one to be recited uh, together. I've had people come to me uh, and say, you know, coming maybe from other backgrounds, other denominations or churches and say, why don't we say the Lord's Prayer together? Because in some churches that met this morning, every single Sunday morning, they will recite this prayer together, referring to it as the Lord's Prayer. But again, Jesus didn't give it to us primarily. I'm not saying that's wrong to recite it together, but he didn't give it to us primarily to recite it together. He gave it primarily to teach us and give to us a pattern, a model, if you will, for how we are to pray. And most often, again, when I preach this, and I've preached it numerous times, I've preached it primarily to our personal prayer life and that's very appropriate for that purpose and it's right for that purpose. But also, it is right and appropriate for, it to, for us to apply this prayer and to utilize this pattern and this model, if you will, for a corporate prayer, our prayer together as the body of Christ. I've just finished a book that I want to commend to you, and I really meant to bring it in and show it to you, uh, but it's a little small book. It'd be a real easy read, but a real challenging read, and I want to challenge you, and I will I'll make some available to you in the future, but it's, a, it's, it's entitled Prayer how praying together shapes the church. Now, this fellow's name uh, took me a while to get it down, uh, but his, his name is John Anwuchekwa. Uh But if you just want to remember John, uh, that's easy, Pastor John. Uh, but he says, in, uh, he says in this book, he points out the fact that up to this point in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, and by the way, of course, this uh, prayer comes from, this model prayer comes from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that Jesus taught uh, on, the, on the Mount there uh, and, and uh, at the, on the Sea of Galilee. He taught this uh, this uh, model prayer. He says in, in most of the other things you read up to this point, the, uh, the, there are singular pronouns being used uh, at, and when he's teaching them about various subjects. But when he comes to this matter of prayer, you'll notice a shift. We begin to see these, uh, these plural pronouns, our and us, being used throughout this prayer. So I think certainly that, that shows us that this is a prayer that, that uh, in a model for us, that prayer is something we do together. It's, a, it's something we do as a family, and we can utilize the pattern that Jesus gives to us here for our praying together. So I want us to think about that Today. And by the way, the same disciples that Jesus taught here and in Luke 11 when he taught them a similar model prayer but a different occasion, obviously Jesus taught this over and over again. And, and uh, so uh, he, he uh, there used a very similar pattern and also using these plural pronouns. But these were the same disciples that were used of God to become the leaders of the church as we read about it in the book of Acts And and obviously, corporate prayer was a a priority of the church. Hunter preached uh, just a a, a few weeks ago, several weeks ago in November. He preached from uh, Acts uh, chapter 4 and a corporate prayer meeting that the people had together. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, uh, 42, we read, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So again, this was something they did together consistently. The prayers, the prayer ministry of the people. It's what in Acts chapter 6, the the apostles said, we're not not going to neglect uh, the the ministry of the Word. We're going to give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So again, prayer was a priority. It's mentioned 21 times in the book of Acts. And most of those times, uh, almost overwhelmingly, consistently, it is, it is they're praying together that you see the church doing when they're praying. So we're going to apply this prayer of Jesus as a pattern for our corporate prayer life today. So notice five par- parts, if you will, to our, uh, our corporate, our priority of prayer together. First of all, notice that we are to pray with praise to God the Father. We're to pray with praise to God the Father. The word our here from that beginning, of course, uh, emphasizes the fact that we pray as one of God's children. And again, that we pray not just for ourselves, but we pray uh, for others. The word, the name Father, again, this was unheard of among the Jews. To refer to God in this way, Uh, they wouldn't have felt comfortable. But it shows our relationship with God Through the Lord Jesus Christ. As we've been preaching through Hebrews, one of the things we see over and over again is we are able to draw near through Jesus. And so we call him our father. In fact, the word that Jesus most likely used because they spoke Aramaic at this time, the word uh, they used for father was the word Abba. And the word Abba is is the most intimate word someone can use for their father. It means Papa, Daddy. So if that's the word that Jesus most likely used as he was teaching, uh, even in, in this, this prayer in Aramaic. So, so Jesus uh, said we can address him, and we should address him, as our Father in heaven. Again, uh, the fact that he's our Father in heaven reminds us of his holiness, but it also reminds us of his authority, his power, his sovereignty. Uh, He is, uh, again, uh, has all the resources of heaven. When we speak about the president being in the White House, we're not just talking about his address or his location, we're talking about his authority, his position, and all that comes behind that. When we speak about God being in heaven, we're speaking about all the resources of heaven that are available to us. And, and that is exactly what we re- should remember as we come together to pray uh, to the Lord. Realize what a great and mighty God He is, that there is nothing He cannot do. Do you believe that? There is nothing our God cannot do. Uh, and so again, we come and we say, hallowed be your name. The word hallow means to uh, set apart for sacred use. So what we're doing as we come to worship God together, and we do that most often at the beginning, of our of our service, as we pray in the beginning, then we do that, we come with a desire to glorify his name, to exalt his name, to honor his name. And remember in scripture, when you see the word name related to God, it's speaking of everything that he is. Just to speak of his name speaks of all of his character, all of his holy attributes. It's who he really is. And so we're praying that the world will be able to see um, to see and glorify Jesus for who he really is. And that's what praise is all about. And by the way, that's why biblical theology and doctrine are so important. Because again, the only way we know how to praise God, the only way no, we know how to worship God is to know him according to scripture and to know him rightly and correctly. We can't praise him and worship him if we don't know who he is correctly. Again, that's why our time in the word is so important and why, again, we, our, our prayer is to not only be spirit-led, but to be scripture-fed. And so you'll notice also in scripture how many times that, that um, prayer begins this way. Blake this morning read from Nehemiah chapter 1, and if you'll remember, when Nehemiah began his prayer, he, uh, he, he began by saying, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So there's something about beginning our prayer time in worship, in adoration, and, 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 and acknowledging God and his holiness and his attributes. And by the way, you say, well, I don't have that kind of vocabulary. Well, that's okay. God understands. We don't, we don't all sound like Nehemiah. We don't all sound like David or one of the Psalm, Psalm psalmists or Paul. You know what? That's one of the beautiful things about Scripture. You know, one of the things I enjoy doing in my personal prayer time, and I think we certainly can do this as well, is to use the Psalms. Right now, for example, I'm, I use the Psalm of the, the day uh, as, as my psalm of praise to the Lord. And so this morning, uh, I read from Psalm 30 in my prayer time to the Lord. And so we can do that corporately as well and praising God from Scripture. Uh, so again, we notice another thing about this prayer, the way it begins, is that our prayer is to be God-centered. You know, most oftentimes, we, when we think about prayer, to be real honest about it, you know what we think about? Us. We're thinking about... Our, getting our needs met, getting what we want. But we should see prayer, first of all, as God-centered. Hunter preached that uh, a few weeks ago when he preached on this passage. I listened to, listened to his message on the way to Valdosta the other day. And, uh, and so, again, we, we should be God-centered and, and focus on him, on his holiness and his love and his power and his goodness, his mercy, his patience. But, you know, we also, also think about his attributes of wrath. Uh, and, uh, and, and again, uh, why is that important, and, and, and the, uh, his punishment of evil? Because it reminds us of what a holy God he is, and the fact that he's in control, and it also reminds us at the same time of, of what mercy we've received, of how God has forgiven us, though he is a God of holiness and wrath and has to punish evil, but wow, he's forgiven me. So again, we begin in this spirit of praise and Worship. By by the way, a couple of uh, I know patterns that we can use sometimes in our personal prayer life and do so corporately. One of them is ACTS: Acts, you know, adoration, confession, uh, uh, thanksgiving, supplication. Uh, Let's see, I missed one. What I leave out? Thanksgiving and supplication, uh, adoration, confession. Right? Thanksgiving. Oh, that's just four. I was trying to make it five. That's my problem. suffering is not my best subject, all right? I'm not like Jethro. Um, but I have another one for you that I heard another pastor share. I like it too. Um, and it's, it's using the word warm, the acrostic warm, worship, adoration, requests, and mission, praying about our mission to the world and, and our mission together. That's a good acrostic to help you remember. We can use that uh, in, in our personal time as well as our scripture time. Scripture says we enter his presence with thanksgiving and praise. So, as we begin with praise in our prayer time together, you know what we're doing? We're coming together. Think about that. We're all going to the throne room of God when we come to, pr- to pray and to worship, and we're just all going into his presence at the same time into the throne room of God. And that is if you're a believer, and that because you can come through Jesus Christ. That's what we've seen in Hebrews. You can come boldly before his throne of grace. So when we come together in prayer and we come to worship and praise him, we're all coming together into the throne room of God. You know, um, I told Karen I was going to tell this story, but I don't think I told her what I was going to tell. So I think she'll like it, though. Um, Karen got some gifts this Christmas from our uh, daughter-in-laws, mostly our daughter-in-laws. And, you know, they were uh, beautifully wrapped or in a beautiful package. And, um, you know, she saw them, and she didn't get particularly emotional when she saw the package. But you know what? When she opened two packages from our... our uh, daughter-in-laws, one here and then one down in Valdosta. You know what? She cried. Um, you know why? Because they were pictures of our new grandbabies. And, uh, and so, you know, what gets to a grandmother's heart? Uh, well, you know, what, what are we saying there? When we come together to pray and we worship God in prayer, in praise, you know what we're doing? We're unwrapping the package we're, we're seeing God's attributes, and, and that moves us. We do that as we sing and as we worship. Uh, we're, we, we, we're, we're unpackaging, if you will, and revealing the attributes of God, and that is what worship is all about, and that's why we do that in prayer as well as in singing. So again, we pray with praise to our Father. We do that together together as the people of God, as we come. But secondly, we pray for progress of God's kingdom in the world. We pray for progress of God's kingdom in the world. Notice again, uh, he he tells us in this this, uh, model prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know, of course, Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. He preached the kingdom of God. Paul preached the kingdom of God. We are to do the same. And the kingdom of God is the rule of God in the hearts and lives of people. We have his internal kingdom that Jesus set up. When we come to faith in Jesus, we become a part of his kingdom. Uh, The church is not the kingdom of God. It is an outpost, if you will, of the kingdom of God. Uh, we know ultimately there's going to be a, a, uh, uh, not only a, this internal, but an eternal kingdom of God. But our job today, and, 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 and when we pray this, we're praying, uh, as Anwin Chekwa says, this is a prayer for the success of the gospel in the world. We plead for God's kingdom to be extended through the gospel going out to the ends of the world. So that's what we're praying for. Again, as I said it, it's, it's for the progress of God's kingdom in the world or the advancement of God's kingdom in the world. And when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what do we know about God's will in heaven? Well, we know that God's will is always done in heaven, right? And so when we're praying that, again, we're, we're, we're praying, we're asking God to establish his kingdom, his rule, his agenda not our agenda. And we're praying that we will joyfully submit to his agenda, to his kingdom principles. And also, therefore, we're praying for unbelievers to submit to him and to his kingdom. You know, Paul, uh, Paul prayed this, and Paul asked that, for example, Ephesus to pray for him in, in, Ephesians, in Ephesians six he he, prayed, he asked them to pray for him that he would have boldness to preach the gospel, and so as we pray, pray for boldness we 're praying for boldness that we may preach the gospel. why so that the, so the kingdom can be advanced, so the gospel can be advanced here, starting with our, in our own family. So we, as we pray this kind of prayer together, we're praying for lost family members. I'm, I want to just pause right now and say thank you for praying for our family. It, it blesses me more than I can tell you that when we gather together, and in, in, in our Monday morning prayer meetings, by the way, men, at 8 o'clock, we meet on Monday morning at 8 o'clock, and I'd love for you to come. Uh, if you can, I know some of you have to be at work at that time, but if you can, we'd love to have you come and join us during that time. But these men pray for our Children. And Jonathan and B. Marie were in church last Sunday and and it's planned to be again this morning. And we see God working in our family. And I believe that's a direct answer to prayer. You know, I could have I could have just said, Well, the pastor's kids are all supposed to be where they where they should be, right? They should all be right with God and loving God and serving God. Or I could have just been honest with you and saying, our kids, some of our, a couple of our sons especially, are not where they need to be. I need you to pray with them and, and pray with us for them. And, and I'm so grateful uh, that, that God is, is working there. And so as we pray, we're praying for the gospel to extend to our families, to our neighbors. And, and, and we pray for God to work in the hearts of our neighbors and to open their hearts to the gospel. But also we pray for the nations. Paul also uh, uh, said to the Thessalonians, Pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. So again, another prayer, really, I believe, for the advance of the gospel, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, for the gospel to spread, for people to hear the gospel because they have to be saved, repent of their sin, place their faith and trust in Jesus. And so since our church, as I said, is an outpost for for his kingdom, we pray for our church's gospel advancement. Uh, to our nearest neighbors and and to, our, and to the farthest nations, and we pray that for our sister churches we 're not in this alone we 're cooperating with other gospel uh, preaching kingdom minded Churches that are preaching the gospel, and uh, and also missionaries who are faithfully proclaiming the gospel. We're praying for them, and so as we pray for our other churches and for missionaries and nationals in other countries that are proclaiming the gospel, I believe that is what we're praying for. As we pray for the progress of God's kingdom in the world, or even around the world, and so I urge you uh, to pray. Uh, that way together as we come. Pray that way as you gather in small groups, but we want to pray that way together as we as we pray as a church as well. But then thirdly, pray for provision for God's people. Notice again verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Now, you know, I know one of the things we, when we uh, decide we need to lose some weight, one of the things we probably start doing is saying, I need to eat less bread. But you know, bread... Was the, was the primary course, main course in this day. And so when Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, he's, I believe, teaching us uh, to pray for all of our needs, starting with our physical needs. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever been in a country uh, like this, but we are so blessed, if you want to call it that, spoiled, if you want to be a little more negative, uh, in our country but to have so much, to have so much in our pantry, in our freezer, in our in, in our uh, you know refrigerator, but in many countries of the world, that is not the case. They literally go from day to day, and they literally say, "Give us this day, provide today." But you know, even though we live in an affluent country, and we do, um, that doesn't mean we should not live in dependence on God. We are dependent. And if God's provided you with a good job, God gave you that job. Amen? And if you have an income and are able to provide, God is your source. So give God the glory. And we should see God as our source for everything. And even though we may may have it available, God provided it. And we should see him as our owner, our provider. And we need to do that, again, as we think about praying together. Uh, and again, praying for others' needs, not only our own needs, but again, give us, give us this day our daily bread. And, and so again, we, we apply this to praying for others' needs, whether it's financial needs, whether it's marital needs, um, whether it's family needs, whether it's spiritual needs, whatever the need may be, occupational needs, we should go to the Lord, looking to Jesus, who is our bread of life, who is sufficient, who is sufficient for every single thing that we need. And so we apply this to our prayer for one another as well. J.C. Riles said to pray this way for others is to be like Jesus. And we've been looking at Jesus as, the, as our great high priest and the fact that he is, Hebrews 7.25, ever interceding for us. And guess what, folks? Jesus doesn't forget your name. Amen? <laughs> he knows you. He knows you and he prays for you by name. And just to think, and J.C. Ryle says, this is being like Jesus. What a, what a joy, what a great privilege, he says, to be like Jesus as we pray by name and by need for one another. And that's where, again, our church pictorial directory comes in such Great is such a great tool and resource, which means already we need to update it, right? The Lord's brought us some more folks. And so we need to pray for people by name and by need, and we do that corporately. That's why we've been doing that together as we, um, as we pray for one another. Um, again, First Timothy 2 1 says, First of all, then I urge supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all so again we pray for our national leaders we pray for our local leaders I'm not going to quote the entire text there uh, but uh, but An-Muchekwa says that the prayer of supplication during our corporate worship leads us to unburden ourselves to God and uh, we, we're calling we're doing more of this now you may have noticed that and you may have thought oh uh, that just adds more time to our worship service pastor uh, but you know we feel like prayer is important that prayer is not just something we should uh, you add at the beginning to just because you're supposed to, or at the end, so you can close, but we want our prayers to have substance. So that's why we're praying specifically for people, in our church family, and specifically for our, our needs. Paul, again, if you, you say, "Well, I'm not real sure how to pray for others." Again, one of the, uh, the best way you can do that is scripturally. Look at the prayers of Paul, the way he prays for people. Uh, it, it'll not only help you to pray scripturally but it'll help you to learn more about, what, how, about uh, uh, how you can pray, but also to pray more effectively. Uh, pray, so we pray for current national and international needs. We pray for our leaders. We pray for, our, our, again, our church and our fruitfulness. But we also pray for our sister churches. Uh, I love Acts chapter uh, 12, the story that took place in Acts chapter 12. You remember that story where uh, Peter was in prison? And for being faithful, preaching the gospel, uh, the only crime he had committed was being obedient to Christ and obeying the gospel, preaching the gospel. And so he was arrested. They'd already put James to death, and they were thinking about putting him to death uh, because, you know, the Jews liked that. So they thought, hey, this went over pretty well. And so there Peter was, and the Bible says there in Acts 12 that the church was gathered together Praying. And it said there were many. I've, I've sometimes said it must not have been a Baptist church because many of them showed up to pray. Uh, but, but, but let's be positive. I think if, if I was in prison for preaching the gospel, you all would gather to pray for me, wouldn't you? Maybe even a lot of people would gather to pray. Or if one of you was in prison for preaching the gospel, we'd gather to pray. But they were gathering together. They were praying. I can just hear them praying, Lord, please, please please release Peter from prison. Well, even as they were praying, the angel, an angel from God was opening the prison doors and Peter was walking out. They were praying. So what did he do? He came to the house where they were praying, Mary's house, the same house, by the way, John Mark's mother, Mark, the gospel of Mark. Same one that was also where they met uh, to pray as they prayed into Pentecost and, and where the Spirit of God empowered the church. So Peter came and he started knocking on the door. And uh, uh, a young lady, a ro- servant girl named Rhoda, went to the door. And guess who's standing there? Peter is there. Well, instead of opening the door, she gets so excited, she runs back in and she's telling them, Peter's here, Peter's here. And they said, girl, you're out of your mind. Lord, please let Peter go out of, let him go. No, no, he's here. She kept insisting. They said, it, maybe it's his angel, you know. So, you know, you know what, that ought to encourage us. Sometimes our prayer is not as full of faith as it ought to be, right? And God still answered their prayer as they were praying for him. But finally, she kept insisting, and they went, and there he was. And, and they let him in, and he told them about what God did. And so God got all the glory. That, that, that ought to say just something about how praying together is so important. And praying in faith is so important. And asking God for what the world would think is impossible. We've got some things in our life and in our church that might seem like uh, bigger than, than we can get our heart around. But let's ask God. Let's be bold in our asking. Let's be bold in what we ask God for. God is able, amen, amen. Our God is able, Ephesians 3 says, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think or even imagine. That's the kind of God we serve. And so we need to ask God that way. We need to pray for provision for God's family. Number four, pray for pardon from God and reconciliation with others. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So this, uh, this proves, by the way, that this prayer is a model prayer because just, does Jesus have to, to ask God to forgive him of his debts or his sins? No, he has none. So this proves, again, this is a model prayer for us to pray. And, uh, but, but a, a debt is a, a, is, a, is a spiritual debt owed to God. And notice in this uh, request, the word and is used, first time it's used, and it connects it to the previous petition, give us. So God is saying to us that just as we need daily bread, we need daily forgiveness. I'm glad someone said amen. That's a good place for all of us. We need daily forgiveness. Amen. I do. We all do because again, we are oftentimes blind to things we don't even realize in our lives until the spirit of God reveals it to us. And to ask God to forgive means to ask God to clear the record. Uh, So this is a prayer for believers. It's not a prayer to get into God's family, although to get into God's family, we do need to repent. We must repent rather of our sin, but this is a prayer for God's family. We are forgiven judicially God will never hold our sin against us. Our sin will never send us to hell again if we're truly believers. But it does block our fellowship. It does hinder our usefulness and our fruitfulness, doesn't it? So again, we need this prayer for daily cleansing. 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us or keeps on cleansing us from all sin. So this shows how it affects our, our fellowship with one another even. Sin affects the, everything. And that's why it's so important that we, that we have this prayer of confession. Verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we need this confession. Blake prayed at the beginning this morning, a prayer of confession. And, uh, and I agreed with him. Did you Um, And uh, one of the things I knew about coming in this morning is I know how we are just driving back yesterday and this week, you know, uh, just having some time with the family. And I know how it can make us sluggish and we get so distracted. So I was able to agree with him this morning as we confess together. And that's one of the reasons we're including this prayer of confession in our prayer time on Sunday morning. But notice he says, as we forgive our debtors, or again, as we have forgiven our debtors. He's showing to us here that we, that, that we are forgiven. It's, it's not that we, we, um, we have to forgive in order to be forgiven, or that God rewards our forgiveness by forgiving us. It, again, the evidence that we are forgiven is that we're willing to forgive others, you, you see that in verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others uh, their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive their, your trespasses. So again, he shows the connection between our relationship with God and our relationship with each other, folks. It's vital. This again shows the importance. God wants all of his children in a family called the church and we need one another. And if we're not right with each other, we're not right with God. If we're out of fellowship with each other, we're out of fellowship with God. That's why we must guard. That's why again, Ephesians says, endeavor to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So again, this affects our prayer life. So again, if you're getting down to pray and, and you know you're out of relationship with, the Bible says in Matthew 5, you go to offer your gift. You realize someone has ought against you. You leave your gift there. Go be reconciled to him first. That's how urgent it is. So again, this so closely relates to our prayer. And Ephesians 4.32 it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And you know, again, like I said earlier this morning, hearing others uh, confess sin in prayer causes us to respond, me too, me too, me too. That's me, Lord. And, and, And God uses that, and that's why we need corporate confession. And again, it leads us to magnify Christ for his gracious forgiveness. It humbles our pride, and it increases our mercy toward each other, our patience with each other. How can we be prideful when we know what sinners we are? You know, I think about Peter. Here he was, the the leader of the church. Here he was, you know, one of Jesus' disciples who walked with Jesus. And yet Galatians tells us that Peter, after having seen that vision of the animals coming down and God showing him what I call clean, don't you dare call unclean, and then he goes back and he won't eat with the Gentiles. He, he goes and just has exclusive fellowship with the Jews, and he gets racial pride, something we all still struggle with. Don't you? Yeah, you do. When's the last time you, you, told, you, know, you told something and you, you, just, you, you named the race of that person? You wouldn't do that most of the time if it was your own race, would you? But you do it when you're naming somebody else. We, we do it blindly. We don't even realize it. We just do it. But, but Peter was guilty. I have a feeling the Sunday after he had, when Paul rebuked him, because Peter was a broken man, the Spirit of God broke him. And I believe, he just like he wept after denying Jesus, I believe he wept, was broken, had to go to those Gentile brothers and sisters and say, forgive me, please forgive me. And then I believe on the following Lord's day, this is not documented, I just believe it. I believe he confessed it before the body. And he prayed, God, forgive me. Who am I? I'm nothing. Lord Jesus, I deserve hell. And you forgave me for my denial of you. And you showed me that what you have made clean, I am not to call unclean. And yet I I treated my brothers and sisters this way. Forgive me, Lord. So we need one another, and it humbles us to realize we're, we're still struggling with sin in different ways. And that's why, again, we need the body of Christ. That's why we need one another, why we need to pray for one another and with one another and do it publicly. We put pride aside to do that, dear brothers and sisters, because we are nothing without Christ, and we need one another, and we need to pray for one another. But finally, pray for God's power over the enemy. Verse 13 Again, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or uh, literally the evil one. So he's not praying, not teaching us to pray that we will not be tempted, but to pray, give us the power to overcome Satan's schemes and not to sin, not to give in to temptation. And we need to pray for each other this way, to look for God's way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us that, with a temp- that, that there's no temptation taken us, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with a temptation provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So we pray for one another because, brothers and sisters, we all face temptations day in and day out. And so we need to pray that we'll look for the way of escape, that we'll put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6 and uh, verse 11. You know, those who yield to temptation are people, listen to me, those who yield to temptation are people who do not have connectivity with the body of Christ. They come and they go and they live in their own little world and they don't confess their faults to one another as James 5 says we're to do. They aren't in community with other people. They don't open their life up. They keep their, their, the blinds closed to their life and don't let anyone see into their life. And therefore, when temptation comes there's no accountability there's no one to call on to say I need you please pray with me please help me hold me accountable and when the temptation comes they fall to the enemy they step in the trap and they're trapped and and we this past year we we had uh, two men of god well known in our convention and one that we heard preach that fell morally and we said how did that happen these are these are First of all, they're not young men. <laughs> These are old men, if you will. They're my age and nearly, you know? And, and, uh, and so how did that happen? Well, there was no accountability, I guarantee you. There was no accountability. They weren't confessing their faults. They weren't confessing their struggles. And brothers and sisters, we are not intended to make it without each other. God intends us to be together in the body of Christ and to pray for one another. And so listen, you pray for me because if it doesn't say anything else, it says that every one of us is capable. Every one of us can sin in ways that will bring dishonor. As I heard a a pastor say, his his elderly father-in-law who was a pastor said, the devil doesn't mind waiting on you because the longer he waits for you, the greater the fallout. So, dear friend, not one of you in here is immune either. None of us. So we should pray for one another that we will, again, have God's power over the enemy. And that is my prayer for you today as well. You know, I believe that God desires our church, Lucy Baptist Church, to experience people being saved and people being added to the church in 2019. Do you believe that? Do you believe God wants to see people saved here through the body of christ through the ministry you say well how how will that happen well again we we have to be faithful to share the gospel so one of our priorities we'll be preaching on is evangelism but again i believe that fervent united corporate prayer will be the difference maker the difference maker. And so therefore, in light of that, I want to challenge you with some things as we close this morning. I want to challenge you with a couple of actions that I want to lead us today to, to step toward this year. And then I want to challenge you to respond to those. First of all, I want us to think about again, intentionally including these different forms of prayer in our corporate worship services. And we already are. Okay, so this is really not a new action, but I want, here's what I want to challenge you on your response to be. First of all, in your response, to prioritize personal family and corporate prayer. Make these a priority in your life, personally, in your family, in your Sunday school class, in your community group, and again, in, in the, make it a priority. Don't see it as a, just something to take up more time, but as a priority in your life. And again, second, welcome more prayer. (laughs) Welcome more prayer as being biblical. Again, hey, I'm 60, going on 61, and and all of my life, all I've really been accustomed to in worship is praying at the beginning, praying over the offering, praying at the end. But when I look at scripture and the book of Acts, there was more to prayer than that in their worship. That's not enough. That's just tipping your hat toward God. And so I want to be biblical. What about you? So welcome more prayer. Welcome more prayer. And then again, participate in the prayer. You say, Pastor, I'm not going to pray aloud. I'm not, I'm not asking you to do that right now, but participate. How? By your agreement. And yes, uh, through your being willing to pray. Uh, and, uh, but, but participate. And then again, um, a second action I want to mention is, uh, that is the conducting of a church family Prayer gathering. We've been having First Wednesday worship on the first Wednesdays of each month. We're going to, in our gathering together and thinking about this year and the feeling the need and knowing the need of more prayer together as the body of Christ, we're going to make our First Wednesday worship into a uh, church family prayer gathering. Uh, we already have prayer meeting on Wednesday night, but we have several other things going on during that time for children and students and, and various pe- folks. And um, uh, But we want to prioritize the first Wednesday of every month. This month it will be the second Wednesday. And uh, we're going to call it our church family prayer gathering where we will concentrate more, have a brief time of the Word, very brief. And, um, and then we're going to spend most of that time together just praying because, again, it's very important. So what will your response be? Well, it's very simple. Be radically committed to participate in that meeting. Be radically committed committed to participate in our church family prayer gathering. Don't say, oh, well, I think it's the prayer meeting tonight. I think I'll stay home. And uh, no, I want you to be radically committed to this prayer gathering as a part, as a member of this body of Christ. Those who are not Uh, really far-fetched. Those are some things that all of us can do, and I just want to challenge you with those this morning. Again, Alma Chekwa says that prayer for the Christian and the church is like breathing. How important is breathing? Well, it is absolutely essential for life. Well, I want to challenge us this morning to think about prayer in that same way. He goes on to say, when Christ teaches us how to pray in this passage, He does so with a fractured world in mind. Like manna created for consumption the same day, prayer has a shelf life. So don't wait until tomorrow to make use of it. You have today. You have breath in your lungs right now. So breathe deeply, breathe often, and breathe together. Remember, prayer is absolutely essential. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used His Word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can, as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, His death for you on the cross and His resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at